Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Billy Epperhart, and on this show, you're going to hear from industry leaders in business, real estate, and investing. Our Wealth Builder coaches and myself are excited to teach you how to make sense of making money for making a difference. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders Podcast. I am so grateful that you joined us today and I really think this is going to be an amazing podcast. I've got two of my coaching sidekicks, we call each other, really they're like brothers, uh, here today to join me and we're talking about real estate. I've got Frank Pulley and Mike Davis. So Frank, do you want to greet everybody and say hi? Everybody, hi. Thank you for joining us today. Man, we had a ton of great questions at this last event. Mm. And uh, it just goes to show that we did have an effect. That you're thinking about things. And uh, we're here to answer some of your questions today. Awesome. And Mike? I'm glad to be here. And uh, guys, I just feel like there's such an expectation uh, in the realm of business, in the realm of prospering, moving the kingdom forward. Uh, like never before. So I'm excited in the day in which we live. Yeah. Amen. We were chatting a little bit before we started the podcast and just um, really sharing about some of the things, that the the movement that we're seeing, like the Holy Spirit is moving in this area. And we're seeing, I know we're talking real estate, we're seeing healings. We are seeing like, you know, people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit at the events. We we're, like there's words that are being spoken. There is just something happening. And and all of you, thank you for tuning in, are a part of this. And uh, we are just very excited about what's ahead. So what I wanted to start out with today is just get a little input from Frank and from Mike on um, maybe a little recap on on some of the things that we were talking about and seeing in the last workshop. And also, what is your like view as to what's ahead and what opportunities or what do you think people should be thinking about? So, Frank, let's start with you. Okay. Well, I think, you know, again, education is the key to the next couple of years, because I think we're going to see a downturn in the market, but not much. And, and, and it's going to be in pockets. There's areas that are still going back up. I think we're going to continue to have a shortage of inventory because people either don't want to sell or they just can't afford to buy the new products. But on the other hand, you've got new builds because we're still short on inventory and new builds are doing pretty well, but they are uh, affected enough by the current market that they're offering, in many cases, incentives, uh, interest rate buy downs and things like that. So those might be some great opportunities. In addition to that, um, because people can't afford to buy new houses at this point with the interest rates, we're seeing, you know, a steady, uh, the rental market is keeping steady and in some cases increasing a little bit. Wow, that's awesome. Mike? You know, Frank is so right. And that's coast to coast nationwide. There's a shortage of homes. And I think that's why the coaching, the teaching on real estate is vitally important yeah. because we can help you find the diamond in the rough. There are always yeah. diamonds in the rough. Yes. And I believe as spirit filled people that God is helping us and leading us. And listen, he wants us to prosper. He takes delight. Psalms 35, 27. 
he takes great delight in the prosperity of his his kids. And so I think this is a time when we can really, really prosper. I was talking to an investor here just the beginning of this week, and they said they were getting out of their investing investments because of their homes, because, you know, they're just burned out, you know, tenant after tenant, trashing their place. And so they just said they were done with it. So I think, you know, people are getting re- weary of that and there's going to open up some opportunities, guys. That's really good. You know, Billy said something really profound and he said of all the real estate workshops, he felt like the timing of this last workshop was the most important. And um, what I think he was communicating is like the opportunity, like you're just describing you guys yeah. is right ahead and we need to be prepared. So Amen. he thought if you're, if you're, you have an interest in real estate, a desire to go into real estate, he's been talking about uh, some indicators of the market when it's going to be time to buy. And that is uh, even now and just ahead. So this is the time to get educated. Um, if you've been thinking about the Wealth Builders Coaching Program, I would encourage you to get a consultation set up because we've got uh, a new group that is starting here. Uh, the quick starts, matter of fact, on November 11th. Um, but you can join any any time throughout that. But anyway, it's it's this team of professionals that you've got here on the call. We've got Troy, that's a part of it. Bill Bronchek, great team to help walk you through these opportunities that we're seeing in real estate. You know, I was looking, uh, we're always looking at real estate. So we're active looking at like three markets right now, which is nothing new. You guys know that. But I started to see some properties in uh, the area we invest in Cocoa Beach sort of sitting on the market a bit on the canal, which we really like, like that idea of the canal. But you know, when I was looking at it yesterday, a whole bunch of them went under contract. So just when you kind of think things are maybe slowing down, all at once we're seeing another spur of activity. But that's where this information on you make money, like Billy says, when you buy, not when you sell, figuring out the situation of the seller. There are deals to be had. And I think um, especially coming up here towards the end of the year, when a lot of people just kind of check out from the holidays, you've got a big opportunity to really get a solid property at a good price because there's some people that want to make sure they get it sold by the end of the year. So um, all that is to encourage you that really now is the time to learn. So you've tuned in to the right place here. And I think you'll be uh, pretty excited about some of the things that you have ahead with real estate that God has called us to. All right, you guys, I'm going to go through some questions and uh, I'm going to start with one here that is from Kathy. And she says this, my husband is planning to retire soon from a big corporation with a good pension. Could he roll over his pension to a real estate investment? And what would the tax situation be in this case? What would you recommend us as far as the best use of his pension? And what type of property should we invest in? Rental, flip, et cetera. That is, uh, Frank, that's like three questions in one. I know there's yes. a lot there. But I'd love to start with you. Um, is okay. that possible? Absolutely. But what you need to do is check with the administrator for his pension um, in about 99% of the cases, once you're retiring, uh, they're going to allow you to go ahead and uh, roll that pension over into whatever you want. 
if you're going to do it for uh, real estate, you're going to need to find an, uh, an IRA custodian. And then you're going to go ahead and uh, probably talk to a, an attorney like Bill Bronchick or somebody versed in real estate that can form an LLC that will hold the funds. And that's a checkbook IRA. So, but you got to be careful. You got to know the words or the, uh, the rules. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> as far as, as far as tax situation, normally there's not a penalty for rolling over, but uh, again, everybody's a little different. So you don't want to talk to uh, probably a real estate attorney versed in uh, real estate taxes or even your accountant, as long as your accountant is uh, versed in IRA uh, information and not every, not every accountant knows all that stuff. Yeah, that's really good. Mike, what do you think about what type of property should Kathy and her husband look into? She's wondering rental, flip, what do you think? Well, flips, you would need to be, well, to be honest with you, even rent holds as well, you would need to be educated. I, I don't want to just say this is what you can do. If you don't have the education, you can get burned. And then you're going to say that Mike Davis, I'll tell you what, I'm going to slap him. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you you need to make sure you get education because my I have a friend here in Pueblo who who is one of his first flips. Uh, he spent a ton of money on it, Karen. And uh, he, I think he had 250,000 uh, total in it. And guess what? He sold it for like 245. But the problem is he, he spent like three months working on it. So he really lost. So I think you need to make sure you're educated. But once you get educated, then yeah, be open. I can do fix and flips. I can do buy and holds. And if he has a substantial you know, retirement. I mean, he may want to get into a fourplex or a sixplex, and, yeah. but those things you need to make sure that you have an education so you don't lose your pension. And in the coaching program, I mean, we have resources that can help you navigate through the IRA stuff. There you and go. One of the big things we do, Mike, is it not? We yeah. really dig into deals that our, our students have and tell them if they're good, they're bad, or if you do this, this, and this, it could be really a good deal. So, yeah. yeah, we do a lot of analyzing and we've got worksheets that are available to the coaching clients too, that they can enter information yeah. in, um, which has been really helpful. And it's like, this is a time, you know, that, that the opportunities are there, but it's also a time in Mike, you mentioned this, like you really got to know your numbers and Frank yeah. as well, because you, there is still this idea in some markets where people are asking more than probably what they are actually worth or where the numbers uh, would work. So we help guide you through that. But it's it's like the word of God talks about the sons of Issachar. They knew the times and they knew what to do. And that's something that I really believe God has called all of us here in the Wealth Builders family to discern the times and know what yeah. to do. And Good. so uh, don't let it concern you just like get your information so you can move forward okay here we go this is a question from deborah she said speaking of the change in psychology of sellers is it worth preempting the shift in their psychology and putting in realistically lower offers now despite potentially offending sellers and agents she said that she's focused on figures working since uh, that's how we make money when you buy, right? But locally, some investors are yes. paying over actual market value in a scramble to pick up real estate properties. Mike, let's start with you on that one. I think people still are in the 2020, 2021 phase where they think their house is probably 
you know, 20%, Billy says, overpriced. I think there is a mindset there. But as far as offering, I I'm I love to barter. I mean, I just love to barter. My wife usually when I'm purchasing a car, she says, I'll drop you off if you don't buy the car. Come let me know. She doesn't like that that process, but I, I enjoy it. And so I'm not afraid to hear no. So I would ask for the price that it's going to work for me. And uh, if the realtor uh, says, no, that that's that's too low. I you know, my realtor's working for me. So matter of fact, when I bought this church building, my realtor laughed and said, Mike, no, don't. That's going to really offend them. I said, well, you know what? I, I'm not afraid to offend them. I'm not afraid to hear no. And guess what? He was impressed. It was a God deal first. Let me say that we got this building $200,000 less than what they were asking for it. So wow. it was a God deal. So I, I wouldn't be afraid to, to go low. And if you don't get it, there's there's houses that come on the market every single day. That's great, Frank. I mean, it's all about the numbers. I mean, it's great to know seller motivation, but the fact is, um, sometimes you may need to make an uncomfortable, uh, comfortably low offer because that's the only way it works. But if you have a real estate agent that works with with investors, they're going to be able to help you analyze that deal and to make that offer. And uh, of course, you know, I always try to leave a little bit when I make an offer. I try to leave a little bit in case they want me to come up. But but not much. I mean, it is what it is. You hit that number and you either walk away or you or or, you know, if it's the number it works, you buy it. Yeah, that's so good. It's, a, you know, not becoming emotionally attached to a house, which we talk about, too. Of course, if it's our primary dwelling, there's a little bit of emotional attachment, which you want yeah. to have what you desire. But I really like that. And we've heard some stories with our coaching clients recently where they have made an offer low and maybe that that seller's like, you're crazy, you know, offended or whatever. But guess what? They're coming back. Yeah. And so I think, too, it's just like understanding that it is a shock for people that their house may not be worth what they what they thought it was. But as it stays on the market, they'll gain an understanding. So if we just kind of stay open to that, you know, we always treat people respectfully. Uh, some of those are definitely coming back. Uh, Billy actually described a situation that he's working on that was exactly that scenario. The other thing that we found that sort of softens the blow a bit, if you are coming in low, is we do a write-up that explains why we're offering what we're offering. So, you know, maybe some comps in the market, we're yeah. seeing we'd have to put in this amount of money when we would consider real estate fees, closing costs, funding fees, and all of that. This is where we landed at that amount. And in that, it, it kind of helps take the edge off if that real estate is able to communicate that to the seller. So that might be a strategy for you to use too. But a lot of it, like you guys have said, does kind of lay on the shoulders yeah. of the real estate agent. I know when I was uh, an agent, I'm actually working on getting my license back again. Um, I saw so many deals, you guys, that fell apart because the agent was um, like, they just wanted to fight. I, I don't know how else to describe it. And so if you have an agent that that has got an attitude, if we're going to come out with a win-win here, I would go. really encourage you to work with someone with that personality because the whole process is going to go well. And then that agent is not going to communicate in a way that's going to totally offend the seller's agent or the seller. There you go. So, 
probably have all have experiences with that. Okay, great, you guys. This is a question from Henry. It's a great question. He said, "Can you speak to what happened during uh, happened to investors during the rent controls during the peak of COVID, and how did it affect your properties?" Uh, Frank, let's start with you on that one. I didn't miss a payment. Seriously, everybody. You know, I had a couple of late ones. We worked with them. Bill Bronchek, who owns dozens of properties, had a 95% rate of people paying. So I don't think it was, I'm, I'm sure there's isolated cases out there, but I am sure that uh, in, in most situations that most uh, of us that were investors, landlords got paid. What about you, Mike? What I'm the same. Uh, I did not miss a beat. Uh, and like you said, there may have been some markets where that happened, probably New York or California, maybe. But yeah. uh, the rest of the 48 states, it sounds like I think the media made uh, it to blow up bigger than what it was. But um, that's been my experience. It, it's been great. Well, that being said, I mean, we do have some landlords that got a pretty good hit. And they want, as Karen mentioned, they want to get out of the market. That could be a good opportunity for an investor to go in, yeah. help them out and to take over those properties. Yeah, that's really good. I think this is where a good property manager is worth their weight in gold. Oh, definitely. Yes. Because they're able to navigate through it. They understand the laws. I also think too, like when you invest in areas, be aware of the political climate towards landlords. And if you can invest in an area that landlords have rights to, I yeah. think when things like this unexpected come about, you kind of position yourself a little bit better. All right. Here's another question that came in. Uh, is it true that most homes on the market currently and probably for the next three to six months are owners that need to sell rather than want to sell? And does that give us better buying options? Mike, let's start with you on that one. Uh, I'll give you the lawyer's response. It depends. I think uh, some people, uh, they need to sell. Absolutely. They're getting transferred. Uh, that's the situation of the seller. You know, uh, people in the military, uh, they're getting transferred. That's the situation of the seller. But, you know, there's always people, Karen, that say, you know what, um, I'm tired of the cold climate. I want to go to Florida. Uh, and so that's a want to. And um, they may be able to, uh, even though it's just a want to. So I just believe this, Karen, if you have an expectation, I'm going to buy property that property will find you. It will come to you. If you're looking, knocking on doors, shaking under the bushes, man, I'm telling you what property will come to you. How's that for an answer? That's great. Frank? Boy, that was really good, Pastor Mike. Wow. That was awesome. I mean, I think they're one of the reasons we're having such a shortage on inventory is, uh, you know, people that need to sell are selling, but other people that would like to sell or just saying, hey, you know what? We're just going to wait a little, you know, a couple of years till the market kind of corrects itself. Um, yes, it does give you better buying options because if you have somebody that absolutely needs to sell a, a property, um, you know, you have seller motivation there, and possibly you could work out a situation where it's a win-win for both the uh, seller and the buyer. Yeah, I think that's really good, and um, you know, the interest rates being so high right now. It's yeah. people are hesitating to sell because they're holding on to a two and a half, three percent interest rate. So unless they mm. have to move, you know, they don't want to go and and pay seven and eight, nine percent for a loan. 
uh, so there, there's just so much going on right now, but you're right. There, there is people that have to sell. And in that, I agree, there are opportunities. All right, here is another question that's coming in. This is from Rachel. Her question is, for someone looking for their niche in real estate, what would you say the outlook is for commercial real estate? Specifically, she's interested in knowing perspective as it relates to commercial real estate. What would you recommend with that, Frank? Well, I think, uh, you know, commercial real estate is a kind of a different animal, so to speak. I mean, it's got a lot of, a lot of advantages. Um, I mean, first of all, when you're financing uh, commercial real estate, a lot of times, if it's a big enough property, the, uh, the bank looks more at the uh, performance of the property rather than your credit. Um, you can usually get some uh, some good loans. Um, a lot of times you're able to uh, take over a loan uh, with the bank's permission, of course. And of course, you've got all those nice little things like the triple net lease or double net lease, where the uh, you know the, the tenant pays your property taxes, your property insurance, and in some cases, in a triple net, they pay what the uh, common area maintenance is called a cam charge. So they're nice. Uh, you you got to make sure you're doing the right thing. I I mean, and again, this is just my personal opinion. You don't have to be in regular real estate to get into commercial. However, I think maybe owning a few properties beforehand, you know, kind of knowing what you're getting into and learning the game. Um, I would want to do that myself before I got into commercial real estate, but there's some great opportunities in it right now. Wow. That's great. Mike, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I agree. I would, I would like to know a little bit about real estate, but Karen, you know, this uh, uh, workshop we just had with Colin Carr, man, he, that's his field. It's commercial and the guy is making it happen. And yeah. so I do think that if you're educated, you know, it is, a, you need to look at a good cap rate. That's a whole different ball game. Hopefully double figures in the cap rate than uh, commercial property. As a matter of fact, I, I think I have that it's somewhere inside my heart. I don't own any commercial property. Well, except for the church building, but I'm, I think that is something that I would like to dip into. So I'm putting my feelers out there as well. Wow. That is great. Mike, I didn't know that. Obviously I knew you owned a, a church building, but I didn't know you had interest in commercial. You're also getting into executive rental. So you are like yeah. spinning your wings a bit right now. I know I'm flying, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned Colin Carr. It was amazing. He was one of our speakers at oh, wow. the recent workshop. And uh, if you missed it, you can oh, actually buy the USB for that workshop. It was, we've heard from people, this was the best real estate workshop ever. And we're actually, we hear that each time. We I think we're getting maybe better and better. Not sure. I think the Spirit is definitely moving through yeah. these events. Um, but anyway, you can go to wealthbuilders.org. And right there on the main page, uh, if you go below the big banner, you can click on the real estate products. We've got that available for you. We've got the real estate uh, master class that we just came out with. And it is still at a special rate right now of $4.97, but it's going up very soon. So there's a lot of resources there, or you can schedule that <laughs> consultation to go, go to wealthbuilders.org and just look for that section on real estate. This is a question uh, that came in, and I can tell they've been listening to Billy. They're referencing the orchard. 
Is it better to, to buy rental properties, which is the apple orchard, those of you that have heard Billy talk about that note we're talking about here, versus flipping properties, which is the broccoli, or is there a place for both approaches? Mike, let's start with you. You know, I think Dan Dyer has a formula that uh, he flips to buys and holds one, flips to and buys and holds one. So uh, I think that is a good uh, formula to follow by. So to follow. Uh, so I think that would be good. So you can do all the above. Yeah, I, I think that's great. Frank? I don't really have a lot to add on that other than at some point in time, you're going to get enough uh uh, orchard properties, you're not going to have to do any flips anymore. So that's, that's go. the ultimate gold. The yeah. gold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Flips can, you got to do them right. And we taught on that in the mastermind call last night, but yeah. uh, they can really help to get cash flow to be able to purchase, but there's more risk in those, of course, just like what you were describing with your friend, Mike. Okay. Here is a question that came in. Um, and this is from Kim and Kurt, who are coaching client family to us, but they're just wondering, like looking down in six months, how can you predict what a house will be worth in six months? And I think what they're getting at is if we buy it now, maybe even in this flip scenario, what should we build in with expectation of what might happen to the price of that home down the road, in this case, six months, Frank? Real estate is such a local business. Everybody looks at the national figures, which are meaningless to a, a local investor. And I mean, national news may say we're down 10% and the, your little area is up 10. I mean, it's just, it depends. Um, I think what you have to do is you have to look at a couple things. Number one, you got to look at what prices are. Prices were six months ago. What prices are now? If they're higher six months ago and they're lower now, that kind of gives you a, a downward trend. That being said, I mean, you know, a lot of areas, um, I mean, 10 to 15% loss is, is big in most of these areas. There are some exceptions, but... I think what you do is if you're going to look at doing a flip or something like that, you just price it conservatively and make sure you're building extra profit just in case you have to lower the the price a little bit. That's great, Mike. Two things. I think the first thing is, is that, you know, God never wants us to make a bad deal, Karen. No. He doesn't. So, man, I would really, really look at seeking God about your real estate business because he doesn't want you to make a bad deal. Number one, number two, you know, uh, Starbucks and Walmart, they put in a lot of research yeah. and communities. And so if you see a Walmart getting built or a Starbucks getting built, they believe in that community and that probably will cause an appreciation anytime you see that. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Mike and Frank, thank you so much. This is a really interesting question from Adrian. He says, we live in a coastal town where houses are much more expensive. If we follow the four times ratio, then we'd be looking at a house around $200,000. However, at this price, the houses are in poor shape or not in a good location. Do we still need to follow the four times median income or is it okay to go up to a better house at 300K? Mike, I'll start with you on this one. 
Well, the bottom line is cash flow. Uh, you want it to cash flow. Yes, you're, you, we're not saying you should go out there and go, oh, six to seven times. No, it's because over the last 75 years, it's two to four times. You can maybe bump up a little bit above that. But over the last 75 years, you want to stay within that ratio. But the bottom line is it needs the cash flow. Now, by cash flow, it's the formulas. We don't have enough time to go into all of the details. But of course, if you spend or pay cash for the whole property, it's going to cash flow. But uh, you want it to at least cash flow. If you put 30% down, you should be able to put $300 in your pocket. That's good. Frank? I think what you have to do is, again, look at cash flow. So I would rather have a house in poor shape that's in a good location rather than the opposite. Because what can happen is you're going to have to figure in how much you put in in rehab. And uh, again, uh, you got to make sure that depending on what your exit strategy is, that you're going to be able to either uh, rehab it and make 10 to 15 percent return on it, or you need to make at least $300 a month cash flow with the return on investment of at least 10 to 12 percent. So uh, I hope that answers the question. Again, if you start with something that's not in great shape, but you can make it a good performing property, that wouldn't frighten me. Yeah, that's really good. I think, too, in some of the coastal areas, if you can get an idea of how many people in the area are retired, sometimes yeah. that will artificially lower the average median household income because people are on a retirement income, but they have a lot of cash. Um, and so pay attention to that. And then also sometimes in those situations, um, like the market might be a great vacation rental market, right? Because the people that are actually paying to stay at your home don't live there, but yeah. it can be maybe not the best buy and hold market. So there's a lot of scenarios to consider there. I really love how you guys answered that and um, for people to think about it. And again, this would be another example where you'd really want a seasoned real estate agent uh, and really learn, which we talk about how to look for median income, how to look for the, you know, the demographics and the information in your area so that you can understand the market and make sure that you're making a good decision. But I agree, you can't, you can't change a location. You can change the property, but, um, you know, buying that house at the lowest price in a good neighborhood or good location really gives you an opportunity to increase. All right, you guys. Well, um, I've got one more question. We, we only have time for that, but this is a really, really good question. And uh, I'm so excited to hear your answers. What are some ways that we can find out the situation of the seller? Frank, I'll start with you. Well, it depends on if you're dealing with your realtor uh, or if you, you're doing a direct like uh, you're buying for sale by owner or you're trying to do a creative financing thing with them. I mean, if you're going through your realtor, you're going to want your realtor to find out as much as possible. And unfortunately, sometimes the uh, seller's realtor doesn't want to disclose a lot because it leaves them a little bit open. But, you know, I think you can, uh, I, I think they can give you enough to find out if, you know, they're kind of desperate to sell or they need to sell. And that gives you some uh, some information as far as doing creative financing or for sale by owner. You just talk to them and find out. I mean, you're hoping people will be honest. And if you can build enough of a bond with them, normally they're going to give you, you know, at least part of the story. So you have enough to to, to go on to make 
make an offer. Awesome. Mike? That's a great answer, uh, Frank. I think, too, if you've got a great realtor, of course, you know, maybe they can do the small talk thing with the other realtor to find out some things. But I, I'm going to give a quick uh, story of Billy's. Uh, it was in the Woodlands in Texas. This is such a great story. He he bought uh, one of the most, uh, how was it, uh, the cheapest per square foot yeah. home. It was, you know, the Woodlands, if you're not familiar, those are high dollar homes. You're not yes. going to any small home there. But then when he sold it, it was one of the best per square foot. But this is what he did. You, when you, we, we get so tunnel vision when we go into the house, you know, we're just looking at the house. But when he went into this house, he noticed that, guess what? All of the man's clothes were gone. All of the women's clothes were there. He noticed that this is, you know, uh, I always say this, like a $50 million house. It's not that, but you know what I mean? That was my expression. It was a really nice home. And yet there was dog poo all over the backyard that it had been taken care of and everything. So that is a good way to say situation of the seller. They're probably separated for sure, maybe getting a yeah. divorce, and they needed to sell this property. So if yeah. you're going into a home like that, just be sensitive. Just be sensitive. Yeah. See what's going on with the home. Uh, so that's how he got the deal mm. of a lifetime, man, on that home. Wow. Wow, that is so such good advice and just kind of cluing into those, yeah. those subtle things. Um, you can also find out quite a bit if you go on ZillowRealtor.com and you just look at property history. That's helpful too because you can see what they bought it for and then um, what they're selling it for. And if they have bought it for more than what they're selling it for, I mean, obviously yeah. they don't have a lot of wheel room, but most of what we're seeing now is they're trying to sell it for much more than they bought it for, which kind of gives you a clue that they don't have as much in it, right? So that could give yeah. you an opportunity. And then also you can do a lot of research on the county records and you can see the ownership as far as like if it's an investor, if it's in an LLC, or if it's in a single person's name, or if it's in an estate. Uh, and so we've picked up some pretty good deals in estate situations because uh, the parent passed away and the kids, they just want to sell the house. You know, usually when they decide to sell, they're in a situation, they just want it sold. Um, and so those are all, that's a, this is great examples, you guys. Thank you of how to understand the situation of a seller. And it really does make a difference. It's one of the biggest factors. So um, Mike and Frank, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast. And uh, I've learned a lot just listening to these questions and answers. Hopefully all of you have as well. And again, I want to encourage you, uh, if you feel called to real estate, I don't think there's anywhere better to learn about it than wealth builders. You know, Billy and Becky have done this for decades and they are passing along so much of the information they've learned. And uh, you can check out some of our options. Again, go to wealthbuilders.org, uh, click on events. We've got some webinars that are coming up, some events coming up. And then you can click on that real estate banner I was describing to you too, and just uh, check out the real estate masterclass schedule a consultation for coaching if you're interested in that or get a hold of that USB from the, the previous event. So uh, I'm going to give you guys a chance to give some final thoughts here. Mike? Well, I, I'm just so excited about the time in which we're living spiritually and just, uh, I mean, a lot of people concern what's going on in Israel and everything. It's just an exciting time for God to arise, for the 
people who believe in God for them to arise for such a time as this, Karen. Amen. Frank? just want to tell people if you decide you want a uh, personal consultation, we don't pressure you at all. That, that We give you the information and then we ask you to talk with your spouse or partner if you've got one and then uh, give it up to the Lord and then whatever that decision is, is right. So don't expect pressure from us. But the fact is I'm with Mike. It's exciting times. And uh, I think there's just a lot of opportunity. Unfortunately for some people, they're going to be sitting on the fence. And by the time it's all over, when the news says the real estate market has opened up, it's usually too late. So it's <laughs> a great point. It is. Awesome. Uh, one other that. thing, the Bible yeah. says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. There you so go. Wow, that, that's great. Yeah, so that's what you should make sure that you're getting the info. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thanks again, Frank and Mike. And thank all of you, our Wealth Builders family, for being a part of this podcast. And please share this with people. If you know people, friends or family that would benefit from the things that we discuss or have a heart to build generational wealth, leave a legacy based on kingdom principles. That's what we're all about. So thanks again. God bless you and make it a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show. You want to learn more about who we are? Visit our website at wealthbuilders.org and check us out on Facebook. We'll see you next time.